Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Bits Effect, where this week we'll be discussing visual novels. Welcome to The Bit Effect. I'm Michael, and joining me this week to discuss visual novels is Dave. I was going to say a joke here, but it's visual. <laughs> uh, see that there? Yeah. And Craig. Hello. Oh, I don't have a joke. So, quite a wide-ranging topic this week. We'll be covering uh, visual novels since their inception, back around, well, probably since forever, but in terms of the video game market, probably the, the early 90s, um, mostly devised in Japan, and seeing a few successes outside of there. But, uh, yeah, let's, let's just jump straight into it. Um... I can't tell exactly when the first visual novel I played, so so give me a bit of time to think about that. I'm going to ask Dave. Dave. Oh, oh, don't pass the ball to me. I don't know. Uh, actually, yeah, you know what? Now that I think about it, I do know. And I'm sorry for blaming. But uh, the first one I ever played was probably... You're going to have to help me with this, Craig. What was Night of the Sickle Weasels? Oh, God. Right, okay. Okay, you ready? Kamachi no Yoro. Kamachi no Yoro. Okay. That one. No, Kama, Kama, Kamatachi no Yoro. Oh, oh my, this is awful. Anyway, Night of the Sickle Weasel, <laughs> Cry of the Banshee, uh, Virtue's Last Banshee, whatever it was called, the one where you're in a <laughs> ski lodge. What I did, I saw uh, the Kacho on Game Center CX play it, and it looked fairly interesting. I've never played a game like that before. And yeah, that, that was the first one I played. So. Uh, Craig, with as little input on what the actual game is, what is the first visual novel you think you played? The first one I think I played. See, I don't know because we need to we need to do the whole definition of a visual mm, novel mm. thing. But I think is this pure visual novel and what I understand that you're saying it is, the first one I played was the same as Dave. It was Kamai Atachi no <laughs> Rather accidentally, I played that last night, and wow. oh no, or is it Monster Loves You? Because that's a visual novel, but is it? Let's not go there. Mm. Uh, it was Night of the Sickle Weasel. It was last night I started it, and I've played or played. I've read about two and a half, three hours. I I played the free version on the iPad and thought this is good enough to buy and bought it. So that's and also did anybody bring a that, body a... bag for the words we're about to butcher? I mean, we already killed that one. I know, yeah. That's... Oh, yeah. But, right, quick edit point. Were they the, really the first visual novels you ever played? Yeah. I think so. Yeah. Because, well, in my in my sense, and like, I've played, like, um, What's His Face? <laughs> I keep on forgetting his name. Not Professor Layton, the other guy. Ace Attorney. Phoenix, Phoenix Wright. Wright. Yeah. I've played a couple of Phoenix Wright games. Is that a visual novel? I've okay. played Monster Loves That's an you. adventure game. Is that Phoenix Wright. Monster Loves You, I would say, because okay. all you're doing is leading, pretty much. Yeah. Well, I think I think they would technically be classed as a visual novel. I think, in fact, they fall into a sort of hybrid category. But, but the main yeah. point here is, yeah, the visual novel, going from Wikipedia, um, you know, it's... Well, it's still hard to decipher, even from Wikipedia. But <laughs> um, let me see. It's it's so kind of like of the, oh god. Yeah, um, in terms of the gameplay, they're they're just very minimalist. There's there's not much going on in terms of what you actually do in the game. The majority of times, there'll be you know you get your text boxes, you get some admittedly quite good looking graphics in a lot of the cases. Um, Quite frequently, in fact, most of the times with the ones I've played, there's there's branching storylines, uh, and they they're usually broken up by some nice little cinematics to to cover the package. It seems like a lot of times they try and put some of the best music in these games, possibly to make up for the the general basicness of them. I'm I'm not sure, but um, quite frequently, more recently, they've they've had a lot of voice actors in them. But I don't know if I had to break it down, what am I doing in a visual novel? Um, Pressing a button to go through text that the game's not going to give me an, an auto-skip option. And I'm basically just reading through the medium of seeing images at the same time, like a 
picture book, to be honest. Uh, there's not a greater... I mean, do any of you guys care to elaborate a little further on what constitutes a visual novel? I, From what I got from it, from the traditional visual novel, it's that, and it either seems to be that it's relevant to the story to style imagery at the back, or you get some sort of photo with some music playing to add drama to the scene or whatever it is you're reading. But you never really... Like that one that I played on the iPad last night, it was just a photo of a chalet and it cut to a photo of the kitchen where you're reading... You know, yeah, there was, was no... It was weird too because they used shadows instead of people. Yeah, and it was... Uh, it, I get... I, I think that actually, from what I've read, is more of an audio novel because it's relying more on the sound to get you into the mood than the imagery itself. I, that's, I don't know if that's true or not, but... I, I don't know. To me, a, a visual novel is... I guess the only thing to differentiate it from an adventure game is you don't ever move your character. Like, you never have control over your character. Otherwise, it becomes an adventure game. But take an adventure game, take out the puzzles, take out the movement, and blam, that's a visual novel. But then there's the question of, uh, I mean, the perspective on things. You know, your character's always moving in, in an actual visual novel in most cases. And in the case of something like Phoenix Wright that we've always said, already said is kind of a hybrid thing, it's more the case that you're just selecting new places to move to. You're not actually, unless you want to include something like Phoenix Wright um, investigations, there's not, there's not any kind of sprite-based movement of, of any characters going on in the game. Um, I think it's just where visual novels meet their their closest match so far in terms of gameplay, which is uh, puzzles. And they are frequently the or commonly the most most known genre to blend in there. Although I'd even argue that things like um, the Persona series or RPGs as a whole quite frequently go into the whole feel of a visual novel through their their approach to you know just general point to point storyline telling so we played a couple of games for this show um craig would you care to tell us what you played yep here i go again this is for the third time on this podcast i'm going to say kematachi <laughs> no yoro <laughs> we're very sorry which Literally translated as The Night of the Sickle Weasel, which was an original SNES release, but I played it as Banshee's Last Cry on the iPad. Very good. As I said already, I downloaded the free... Actually, I played the SNES version for a wee bit, then played the, the iPad version, which is much, much better. I hope. I don't know. I don't know who we're going to offend here. And then um, I bought it as well, and I'm still reading my way through it. It's very good good it's very kind of gripping story in terms of murder mystery so you've got you're in a a chalet and murder happens and it's kind of your boyfriend and girlfriend type oh my goodness people are getting killed situation it's got a few wee bits and bobs of choices thrown in what do you do 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 you go around to someone's room and chat the door and go in or do you not go around to the room because you're too scared a lot of cringy language a lot of cringy <laughs> language like you know and it's all these wee bracketed phrases like um he says uh, he says something in in the scene and then and then in the bracket it says um shyly looks away and I'm like oh my goodness you don't need to describe that that's not the way people describe things so I, I, it's very cringy from that point of view. But overall, I, I kind of like it. I like the murder mystery you know, thing. I think that's what's hooked Um me. You could just pretend that those alien race from Mass Effect, the ones that always state their emotions before they say something. <laughs> and it's a murder mystery involving the Elkhor. <laughs> Angrily. Before, <laughs> before we move on to what, what Dave played for the show, I think it's worth pointing out there's two interests here which are going to affect your uh, the appeal of the visual novel genre to you, specifically, uh, which are, A, if you have any familiarity with anime, and B, what your, you know, how, how high 
ranked a hobby of just simply reading itself is to you. Um, and I mean, for myself personally, you know, I've, I've dabbled in anime from, from a young age, uh, go forward and back with it, occasionally come back to it. Um, and yeah, all, all the usual stuff, you know, like Akira, Dragon Ball Z, usual culprits, they're, they're all quite well known to me. So I, I don't find <laughs> the visual style of these sort of things very obstructive to, to enjoying the medium. But then at the same time, I, you know, I'm, it was quite quite big into reading horror horror books back in the day um yeah and i <laughs> and and i found that in a way it does sort of move over to visual novels in in some cases you'll feel, feel you're reading the words so much that you're actually just reading a book you you're probably not even paying attention to the in most cases well done visuals of of these games um so yeah, guys, what? How do your hobbies lie? Does anime offend you? And does a good book keep you happy? What do you think? Um, a good book will always keep me happy. I, I love reading all of them. I love games, but the sad thing is, you can only choose one or the other, really, until you start playing visual novels, I guess, and then it works. As for anime, I have a very checkered past for anime because when I was younger, let's say sixteen. I found out about this really cool thing called Dragon Ball Z, and it blew my little boy mind. So, evidently, there's more stuff like that out there. I should totally watch it. And I, I went through, like, everything from Robotech to Ninja Scroll to, you know, Vampire Hunter D. Everything everybody always says to watch. Like Cowboy Bebop, Trigon, all that stuff. And after a while, I got so sick and tired of anime, I hate it. Because... But here's the thing. The visuals of it, I still love the anime look. Like, that's very cool. It, it's always just the incredibly trite and same stories told over and over and over and over again. That get to me. So, yeah, the, the stylings of anime, the way it's drawn, the way it looks, are great. The crappy tropes of, oh, I tripped and oops, I fell on your boob. That gets really old fast. Well, for some, yeah. But yeah, yeah. For, yeah, for me. I've got no rich history with anime, nor um, nor do I take any offence to it whatsoever. Uh, I think it's not it's not a usual thing that, like Laura certainly sees me reading a an anime novel or anything. It doesn't that doesn't happen. I don't watch it. Yeah. So last night playing this this game, it was absolutely fine. But I did actually play a myriad of different visual novels last night, including. What was it called? College Dorm Love. <laughs> um, and Laura was just like, what What the hell are you playing? What are you playing? And I was like, well, I, I, you know, I've got to explore, <laughs> explore my sexuality. And, well, at least you, you did know, it with your wife I'm right there. going through this story. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, just, and then I had to switch it off. I found that quite embarrassing. And I don't know whether that's a normal thing to find embarrassing <laughs> or not. But I was just like, what am I actually, well, what am I actually doing? But that, like, do you like the, the aesthetics the of it? Like, do you like the character art of it? Or is it kind of no real difference up, between Western for you? Yeah, it's up, up to a point. I do like it. But I think uh, I find, I often find it quite distracting. I think that's the way to put it. Like, I found it quite distracting, that scene. Whereas the other, the Banshee's Last Cry thing, that was just photos of a chalet behind it. I could totally get into that. It was very much like reading a book with a few odd decisions through it. The other one was a bit more different. Wow, English. To me. <laughs> um, I know, do you like it? I read a lot of books, including the dictionary. <laughs> um, out of curiosity, okay. what do you think about, like, mm -hmm. Ghibli movies? Oh, I love them, and I absolutely love them. I love the um, I love sitting back and watching it. There's a program on Amazon just now, um, Ronya, a robber's daughter. It's an anime that Amazon have brought over from Japan, and and it's like it's got Gillian Anderson narrating. Oh wow, jeez, and so on, and it's it's absolutely it's absolutely fantastic to watch. It's those tropes that you talk about are there, but it's very endearing in a show that's aimed at kids because it's kind of the, the kids watch it and they're like, oh, it's, and I was I can sit and watch it. So it it really works for me in that sense. Um, where I found it distracting was more to do with trying to read 
and make decisions based on that with the cringy language. I just found it all a bit weird. Yeah. Well, not weird. It's kind of weird. Doesn't because like our so. generation, I don't think we draw that much of a difference because we grew up watching. Sure, we watched like for me anyway, like Animaniacs and Pinky in the Brain and all the Western stuff. But we also had no problem sitting and watching Pokemon or Digimon or any of that. So there's not much of a line drawn between my tastes just because I grew up with both. So, so is is the dictionary the dictionary is the extent that you wish to discuss in terms of reading? Oh no, no, I I do read a a, a few books here and there. I I read a few comics as well, but I don't like Dave. I, well, no, not like Dave actually. Unlike Dave, I do like the occasional book. Um, a guy at work recommends a book every now and then. That's where I got like House of Leaves and stuff like that from. And he's like, "You've got, you've got to read this. Just read it, and then I'll read it." My dad recommends a book, Clive Cussler, some tripe, and he's like, "Craig, <laughs> you've got to read this." And I sit and I try to read it, and it's the worst in the world ever, and it puts me right off. So I'd much rather just play games. I'm in the gaming side of things, unless certain people recommend a good book to me. Now here, here's okay, a question. Just... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, no. I was just going to say what Clive. Cuffler, what's what's his sort of genre? Sounds like a western. It's spy, spy, um, kind of like militarized spy agency with a big. It cannot. It's Tom Clancy, but these people are their own entity, and they go about the world saving the world. It's in a boat that's disguised as an old trawler type thing. Okay, so it's James Bond almost. It's pretty much James Bond. It, it's do you know what? It's probably not that offensive. The guy's got about a billion books, but he seems to always have shadow writers. So he's Tom Clancy. He's <laughs> it, pretty much Tom. He, he is Tom Clancy. He is. Did I say Clive Custler? Tom I meant Clancy. Tom Clancy. <laughs> no, I mean, like, so, like, um, out of curiosity, it's kind of related, but not really, since a lot of these now have voice acting. How do you guys feel about audiobooks? I I really like audiobooks. I listen to audiobooks in the car if I'm not listening to podcasts. I won't listen to music in the car. Like for the commute, I've got an hour's worth of drive in a day. That's a good amount of an audiobook or a yeah. couple of podcasts. Yeah, at work, uh, since I work in a factory, it, it, you know, I am just don't have to talk to anybody. Just do your job. Yeah, I've got about like eight hours of audiobook a day. So, I mean, I, you, I blitz to it, and I end up listening to it at home while I'm playing games. It's just something that's always there. So, yeah, my reading has really taken a nosedive. But in terms of, like, experiencing books, yeah, it's skyrocketed because of audiobooks. Mm. And I, I kind of picked up on podcasts in the first place through uh, listening to things like uh, World War Z, which admittedly is quite a high-budget audiobook. But, yeah. You know, it's it's really, really branched me down this, down this path, yeah. Good. Words are good. <laughs> what, so, what's our good? So, given us a good background of where we all come from in terms of these sort of features, uh, it's probably best to move on to what, what Dave's been playing. So, Dave, what, what did you play for the show? Uh, w- well, the only one I, I experienced completely was Radical Dreamers. And if you don't know what Radical Dreamers is, it is the game that takes place between Chrono Trigger and Chrono Cross, except Chrono Cross is a bit of a remake of Radical Dreamer. Think Evil Dead 1 and 2, you know, that kind of situation. But um, I think it's classified as a sound novel. I'm not sure. There's not really any gameplay there. But, I mean, well, the most you're going to get is, like, there's a maze. But it's not a maze like a first-person maze game. It's just text saying go left, go right. It almost gets to be text adventure at some point. But yeah, it, it takes place with all the characters and something I've always meant to do. And I'm glad I finally got around to doing it. Okay, so I am I have very little familiarity with this. How How is it represented? I mean, I've heard stories of how at the end of, uh, at the start of, I think it's Xenogears second disc, it turns into a visual novel pretty much for the majority of the rest of the game. But um, I've not heard much about this one. This is a standalone game, is it? Yes. It was kind of like Night of the Sickle Weasels in the fact that the visuals 
were always in the background like the text was on top of it it's not like newer ones where you know you'll have like a picture and then a box for text underneath the audio was but it, was really it, good okay so so it's all is this represented with characters facing each other talking to each other over dial, dialogue boxes no uh characters do not there are some pictures that show now see it's the weird thing the art style is almost like watercolor so there's not a lot of definition in a lot of these backgrounds like you know if you take something like starry night it'll look closer to like just somebody watercoloring it rather than a picture mm. but yeah you don't get a lot of visuals of the characters which if you've ever played chrono cross it's kid sergey and um uh the guy who turns into guile if you've ever played uh, chrono charlie, charlie? Oh, what? no that, that's, what? that's that's nash <laughs> i'm getting mixed up here let's let me just find out exactly what it looks like one second sure sure I actually I can go on to another one that I played too, if you want to do that. That's fine. Okay, so it's more sort of like somewhat iconic pictures to go with text. Yeah. With with sound. Well that's that's the thing then. With that that definition of the audio novel that I was talking about later, that's it. It's a generic photo with sound plus the text. Which makes the audio novel. Is that right? I, I guess. Now, see, everything that I thought was a visual novel always has sound. So I don't know what puts across an audio novel rather than a visual novel. Hmm. I think it's the the relevance of the imagery to the story. Oh. So if there's characters and that are related to the story and action on screen, action that visualizes what you're reading that's a visual oh, novel okay. but if it's if it's music to get the feeling of what's happening in the book that's an audio novel okay so if there we go jesus if, if, <laughs> if, if it's if it's a visual novel with cutscenes, it's a visual novel if it's a visual novel with nothing yeah. but audio then it's an audio novel yes okay I, th- I think it's all got to do with you you've always got the words and if you read if you read a sentence that says he fell off a cliff and broke his neck and you have a picture of a photo of a cliff plus music going, that's an audio novel. If you've got a picture of that actual character plunging off the cliff and breaking the neck, that's a visual novel because it's the representation of the words. I would have preferred if he yelled, I regret nothing, but... You know, uh... <laughs> nothing. Wilhelm scream. <laughs> now, uh... I I hate to say it, but it sounds like it sounds like there's a bit of new new law being added to the terminology here. But the the <laughs> <laughs> I might be making it up, mate. But I think to bring it to bring it back, let's let's make it. So the visual novels they've been around for quite quite some time now. Um. There was a moment where visual novels somewhat crossed over to the mainstream and became a known substance of over here in the uh, countries outside of Japan. Then that would most definitely have been the release of Phoenix Wright on the DS back in the day. Um, Capcom, being the developers of this, they got really involved in it, and they made you know a sub- sublime game and a sublime game series from there. Uh, they still continue to keep this this genre running to today, um, and they they too, interestingly enough, have dabbled in the whole element of the the audio novel kind of thing. They, um, I mean, shortly after Phoenix Wright, I think shortly after a couple of its sequels, which were originally on the GBA and then ported to the DS, obviously, um, as as some people may know. Um, but they they actually made like a stock stock market style visual novel, which I'm I'm not even sure has a full title that I'm aware of. I've I've never seen it since then. Um, but they they've also dabbled in things such as 360 degree audio on the on the Nintendo 3DS, I believe, with, with somewhat visual novel games, and then infamously got a big name from doing a Ghost Trick towards the end of the DS life. Um, but yeah, Capcom have definitely catapulted it back into the to the mainstream, where where now we see things like, you know, Steins Gate, um, the Zero Escape series, all of these which are which are now to today, punching off the back of older classics like you know Police Notes and Snatcher, 
making it a really vibrant sort of sort of game. Aren't they more adventure games than they are These, visual novels? I'd argue they're more more hybrid like. I think especially <laughs> in the case of <laughs> Phoenix Wright and and in the case of Professor Layton. I think Professor Layton's marketed as being a puzzle game, but in reality it feels more of a visual novel hidden behind that. So me and Craig were talking before, you know, in the green room, and uh-huh. it, this almost seems like it's kind of the problem we have with RPGs. Like, okay, do you, do you classify Zelda as an RPG or is it an action adventure game? This Fallout is that an, an FPS or is that an RPG? It seems like visual novels are a genre that blends so well with everything else. Yeah, that finding a pure one is very hard. So, so what would you? Th- say would be a pure visual novel i think steins gate is quite close to being as pure as it gets um it doesn't deviate far from the story it's trying to tell it doesn't branch off enough that there are points though there are points where you're keeping an eye on you know how many things you've picked up how often you've been checking people's phone numbers, things like that. I mean, the game itself, it works off a system inside where it keeps tabs on every single thing that you're doing throughout the game to come up with its, you know, its multitude of endings, which don't really seem heavily attached to what choice you're making in the game. And the choices are quite quite random, to be honest. Um, but that itself, you know, if you played Steins Gate, you'd feel it, it's quite similar to something like the Zero Escape series. But then that has the puzzles integrated. But then you've got versions where they remove the puzzles. And like at that point, do you say, oh, well, this is 999, the visual novel, and this is 999, the adventure game? I mean... That there's... seems like that would be the way to go. But I I still feel that it falls under that umbrella. You know, it's the puzzles are something which, in, in the instance, in the exception of one single puzzle in the game, they're not really even needed in there. It feels like... I mean, let me put it another way. You're selling a game. You've made a visual novel. It's the best visual novel ever. Now, your problem is, how are you going to sell this on to people without at least flavoring it with something of a little bit, something else, just a little bit to hook other people in? Visual novels in themselves, if you look at the the stereotyped audience, it's a lonely 30-plus Japanese man in his own little room who doesn't do much. This is all purely a stereotype, but yeah. of course, mm-hmm. if you're making that game, you know you're selling it to a niche audience straight away before it's even come out the gate. The reason for having these hybrid games is quite, uh, well, my from my best guess, to allow allow these games to breathe and get, get a bit of interest. So when it comes to a harsh classification on what's already a very niche genre, I'm not even sure that question's so relevant to it. But that's my opinion. Well, oh, okay. Well, well, since you out of, out of all of us, you are the visual novel guy. Like, mm-hmm. what reason? What, yeah. Well, I mean, out of our group of people, you're the only one that really plays a lot of these visual novels. So, where does something like the latest string of FMV games come in? Like the bunker. I know from the green room. <laughs> these sort of questions have been mentioned, and. <laughs> This, this is the problem for me, and it, it goes back to that age-old question of nostalgia where Night Trap, Road Avenger, um, there are others, and they're, they're quite forgettable. <laughs> hey, these Road are Avenger all games, was amazing, okay? But these, these are all FMV games. Dragon's Lair, they're all, they're all games which seem to emphasize the action, and for me personally, I get sucked into that image when I when I, I think on them. If I move forward to today, if there's a if there is a game that you think classifies itself as a visual novel through through that medium, a I'd like to try it, and b I'm probably being a bit critical if I do say it doesn't doesn't fully fit. But you know that's it's hypocritical of me. Well, right? well, I'll agree. I'll agree with you on things like Dragon's Lair and Road Avenger, only because those are quick time events the game no of course they are i'm just saying because they're the games that i'm familiar with being the fmv driven games oh, I oh feel okay like it's it's swinging it to the other end of the spectrum it's like 
you know, the games I'm trying to talk about here are visual novels which seem to be stretching out a bit into another genre, but they're firmly rooted in the visual novel thing. But Well, but from what I can tell, from what I've played in the bunker, there's no gameplay in it. It is just watch the movie and you'll read a little bit and then you watch a bit of the movie and then you read it. There's no gameplay in there. That's why I was curious. Okay. Or so even well, how, how does the actual flow of it go? It, it I I kind of like it. Like it's very interesting the story it sets up and I haven't finished it cuz uh Kelsey asked me to hold off on playing it until she can see it. But I think it's pretty interesting at least. And okay. I well for me personally I kind of put the, put it in the same category as like Gone Home and Everybody Gone to Rapture. All those those are kind of just nah, I don't really play them. And so that's why I don't know what differentiates a lot of these into different genres. So is the novelly bit of it actually reading lots of words? In in what you get mo- you get eighty you get eighty percent of the story from words. Uh no, actually you get you get a lot of it from well, since you're in a bunker, right? You get a lot of it from him talking to himself, and then you get a lot of it from well, he uh, he's going to sit at a computer terminal, and then it switches, and you read the computer terminal, and then you pull back out. Yeah, it, it's a lot of weird stuff. It, it kind of falls in between adventure and vision novel, but you never move your character, so I don't know. I'm gonna say that if uh, Sakura Wars, the series, is yeah. classed as a hybrid visual novel, despite me knowing full well that I've played a lot of uh, you know, turn-based battles in that game, then I'm, I'm willing to let go. I'm willing to give you that. <laughs> uh, I, I'm not Can sure. I... I'm not sure what what sales it'll bring to that game. But if it wants to classify itself as a visual novel, I don't know what it classifies itself as. I should totally check that out. Actually, yeah, I think it just classifies I, as that's, FMB. Yeah. But anyway, I'm sorry. I've I keep got one. I've got one. Can I ask one? Yes. Can I? Can I ask one, Mike? We've already spoken about this. 80 days. 80 days. It's based on a novel. So it's based on the Jules Verne novel. You read the story, you make decisions, but you play a game. That means, like, at first I was like, that's a visual novel. But now I'm beginning to realise it might not be a visual novel. It's one of these mixed, merged things, isn't it? reason, I think there is a quite common bias against well for visual novels being Japanese games in an odd way. Yeah, well that yeah, that's the other thing. I mean Does it need to be Eastern? Well I mean how many games you can't have a JRPG from coming from New York. So I mean that kind of makes sense. Well no. Although but at ca- the same can time you have, have a JRPG like, from New York. You could have a clone like Hat for a Boyfriend which is Yeah. You know, from from outside of Japan. I um, what is it? I played Analog? a demo of Dream Daddy Simulator. Dream Daddy Simulator is a single father dating simulator. It's a it's classed as a visual novel, but it's it's made in the US. Oh, I googled that. You know what else? It's cra- uh, it's uh, classified as <laughs> terrible. Yeah, crap. <laughs> I don't know what. <laughs> it's totally awful. So in every I, I, way. so so then, Mike. I mean, is it for you? Is a visual novel inherently a Japanese thing. For the most part, yeah. yeah. Right, this is the most prominent part of information from Wikipedia, and this applies to us. In Japanese terminology, a distinction is often made between visual novels, which consist predominantly of narration and have very few interactive elements, and adventure games, a form of adventure game which may incorporate problem solving and other types of gameplay. This this distinction is normally lost outside Japan, where both are commonly referred to as visual novels by international fans. Visual novels and adventures are especially prevalent in Japan, where they make up nearly 70% of titles released in 2006. So I Um, wonder if out here in the West, we don't really have the terminology of adventure game. Just because you say adventure game, everybody thinks like Day of the Tentacle and Gabriel Knight and all that. Yeah, maybe there is a, a stricter there is a stricter gate on these already niche niche types of games. Then, so 
In other words, I don't think any of us qualify for having played visual novels this time around. Um. Well, yeah, yeah. You know what? I I don't think we have. <laughs> this is a great episode, though. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, yeah. Even Monster Loves You. If if there's a choice in it, then it would classify yeah, as the second there's... one. Although, uh-huh. it isn't strictly in terms of choices. It's just in saying that adventure games may incorporate pro- incorporate problem solving and Problems. other types of gameplay. So, your traditional. Turn to page 128 to fight the dragon, or turn to page 65 to run back to the village. That that's still in a game that would be a visual novel. Well, although that's because it's an adventure, that's an adventure to, book. To lift my oh kilt, my yell for freedom, and run down the hill. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Okay, God. so so in in the good. very strictest yeah. of terms, that is a visual novel is just a book with narration and pictures. The short and answer, some... it seems, yes. Okay, and what, what we mostly know as, as uh, visual novels over here are what would be classified as visual adventure games? Or just adventure. Okay. So yeah, I, I can honestly say I don't think I've ever played a visual novel game. <laughs> Because okay. even something okay. like well, uh, this, Analog, this a hate story, is still has some problem solving in it. Huh. It says here, visual novels with non-branching plots, such as digital, a love story, are rare exceptions. Huh. Uh, that so branching plots, that story. means branching plots are part of visual novels. It doesn't matter if it branches, as long as you're not solving a problem or a puzzle. If you're just making a choice, a dialogue choice, that's still a visual novel. So then that would make Monster Loves You a visual novel. Oh my gosh, my head is going to explode. I know. That would make Monst- that would make Night of the Sickle Weasel. That's a proper visual novel. Yeah, because you don't do any puzzles, both you don't that. solve problems. Steinsgate? Steinsgate visual novel? Yes. Hey, I think the because... main point to take away from this is that <laughs> not to get fully involved in the semantics of this discussion, Wikipedia is willing to let Ace Attorney and numerous other games stay within this page as visual okay. novels. So let's just say adventure is a subsection of the visual novel as is the visual novel itself, meaning that visual novels break down to two levels of visual novels before becoming a a pure visual novel. Yeah. (laughs) So, so to Um, get this back on track, Mike, what did you play hmm. for this show? I played the first-person shooter Root Letter (laughs) for the PlayStation 4. (laughs) This, of course... It's something I would have previously referred to as a visual novel, but now falls closer to the first-person shooter genre, I believe. Um, and yeah, it is simply a walk around a small, little-known Japanese village to revisit the past of a girl who was your pen pal 15 years ago. This is hard to digest because this is a 30 plus year old man who is deciding on a whim to look at a photo in his room which he suddenly realises there's a note on it saying I killed someone I'm not sending you any more messages how he's managed to have that in his room for 15 years and never noticed (laughs) that, that note on the back of the photo is anyone's guess but the fact that he takes a plane trip by the sounds of it goes all the way over to the other side of Japan just to visit and investigate this this girl and see see all about who these people were she was referencing in letters is is quite amazing to be honest. But yeah, in short, you're going through the towns, you you go visit the library, you go to a local television station, you visit the the local restaurant, you take a trip on a on a little boat for a day. Um Really, really pedestrian paced. This is the slowest moving sort of quotes visual novel I've ever played. <laughs> and 
it's quite charming to be honest it's exactly what i wanted it's visiting somewhere new you could probably say with the with the ability that you actually have options you can do things like you can have a look around the page and see see if there's anything of interest you can then talk to the person next to you you can look at your inventory you can pick up your phone to save your game and you can look at a guidebook and the guidebook gives you information on what's a supposedly a real life place um in i think what is it the south west of japan somewhere somewhere thereabouts um and yeah, yeah it's it's not brilliant it's it's not the best thing i've played because the truth is when you've played things like you know the aforementioned games things like the zero escape series you have sort of tasted the cream of the crop of these these type of games so coming back to something like root letter which i just picked up on a whim it's it's different. It's different. It's probably a lot closer to the definition of the genre than a, a lot of the other games I've played. But it doesn't really lose its charm because it it can be a bit over-explanative of what's happening. You know, you go, oh, I'm going to buy a ticket. I'm going to get on the boat. I'm going to take a seat over on the left-hand side. <laughs> I'm going to get out of my seat. I'm going to make sure I remember my ticket. I passed my ticket to the ticket inspector. I got off the boat. So a lot of things like a lot of interchanges like that and you feel like it's sort of to you know to make way for not having that visual representation of all of these actions on the screen but at the same time it does build an image within an image of what you've seen on the on the screen and for me that's that's kind of what i'm going in there for it's not fully hand holding me all the way although in terms of gameplay it does hand hold you quite frequently but um but yeah, it captures it. It's got really rubbish music, which is a bit of a shame for a, for one of these type of games. But apart from that, yeah, I've had a had a blast of it. I mean I mean, would mm. you recommend that to only people that like visual novels, or is that something that you think anybody would be interested in? I think it's very niche to be honest. I think it it doesn't have any kind of real action to it. There are occasional bits where like a Phoenix Wright game It'll have a little bit of an investigation going on with talking to somebody, and you'll get a something called max mode, where where you'll get a bar fills up, and it's basically like a sort of quick time event where you'll see you know multiple options. Have you ever, have you ever played Danganronpa? Very very little bit. Okay, so that has a mode where you shoot bullets at um, words which come up on the screen. You have to oh yeah, the right truth one. bullets. You you also know. If you played Yakuza Zero, you'll remember the the phone call section. Yeah, you get yeah, the words okay. flying around oh, the yeah. screen, and the yeah. the one you want to get is the one which keeps going behind everything. It's smaller than everything else, and it's an absolute nightmare to get. And it has a kind of kind of mini game like that, but a lot more simple. So it's just a a slowly building up circle. You have to touch it before it gets to the end. In the occasional cases, it'll actually be oh, you need to press it right at the very start to throw you off a little bit. But um, but no, I, I don't think there's enough there to interest you unless you're looking for a quite quite laid back experience. And even in the case that you do want something a bit more laid back, there probably are a lot of options for that. Considering that quite frequently, I think as a Western audience, we probably go straight towards the more action packed and kind of seemingly well for want of a better word epic experiences within that that genre i i mean i i i guess i'm a typical western game player in the fact that i like gameplay i don't mind playing a slow game that has a very slow burn to it as long as it keeps my interest but yeah to be honest i these bore me like even something yeah, that they would oh god no, no, I was say it likely would. I mean, similar to you, I, I'm not sure how similar to you this might be, but I actually went into Zero Escape hoping for something like a, like a kind of battle royale saw experience, and I came out the other end with something completely different, but something that I fell in love with. Uh, Danganronpa again is a game that I thought I was going into to see. Oh, that guy's going to kill that guy. That guy's going to kill that guy. That girl's going to kill him. Um, and the, the truth is, a lot of times they su- suck you in with that kind of that kind of background to things, but then it doesn't work out exactly as as expected. 
Uh, now, although there are a lot more deaths in those games. Now, see, that's kind of interesting because Danganronpa and 999 and Steins Gate and the Zero Escapes, they kind of interest me. Like, to the point where I'm probably going to play through them. But that'll be in spite of the visual novelty end. Like, I wouldn't play, I don't think, the iPad version of 999. Because, like a Professor Layton, it's nice to have something break... Oh, I get to play. Something to break it up. The only thing that I find piques my interest on these things, like even the bunker, is that's an interesting story hook. I wonder where it goes. And it seems like a lot of the visual novels that I see come out of Japan to here, or fan ones like Daddy Daycare or whatever that was, they almost... it's You're playing nothing but a book with light dating sim elements, and that I find incredibly boring. That's one of the reasons I picked up Root Letter, to be honest. This actually comes from quite a few of the the ex-Konami guys behind... Konami guys and girls behind the Love Plus series, which is quite a well-known sort of dating-related thing. One of the odd uh, knock-ons to this is that quite frequently we will get, um, you know, European and American releases of visual novels which have been tamed down to match our markets. And as a result, games which were somewhat erotic in nature have been turned into pure visual novels for over over in our markets. Oh, really? Quite frequent. <laughs> if you look at the recent Humble Bundle, which included, I think, somewhere around about 10, 10 to 12 visual novels, you'll find that Steam actually features unlock patches for a good half of those titles despite being rated um you know for a for a global audience really so it's it is quite weird to see these games sort of being re-released knowing that their entire main hook has completely gone now um that, that that's actually a pretty good point because like when i was researching a little bit of this very surface skim like, it seems like 90% of this, and if I say like one more time, somebody punch me in the face. It seems like like 90% of the audience <laughs> started on PC, and it's pretty much stayed there. And the ones that we get on, on consoles and handhelds seem to be the cream of the crop. And I mean, have you, have you ever true. gone digging through the dregs on PC? Short answer... No, longer answer. I <laughs> no. did dabble in a few of them. And the thing is, what they put out on PCs today is probably quite... I think Steinsgate's probably going to be the closest thing you get to what, what the PC PC gamers are getting. Steinsgate originally is actually a game from, I think it's like quite a way back. Something like maybe 2009, 2010 on the PC before finally making its way to the consoles, what, around 2013, 2014, something like that? Okay. Um, and when you look at the latest ones, the ones coming out today, the ones which are just including that Humble Bundle, these, like, top... Re- you know, as, as high res as it'll get for the for the images. Some of them have bits of 3D mixed in, so it might have sort of 3D, pseudo 2D characters moving around, like, sort of Guilty Gear Exard-style... Um, all sorts of bells and whistles going on in these titles. And it's quite odd to see that we're sort of being on the console side, left with what look like quite plain Jane sort of games in comparison. But the thing is, they're not, these aren't the cream of the crop either. A lot of these games, which have thrown a lot about the screen on the PC, they are basically just, this is one girl, this is the other girl. They both like one boy. They're both going to walk around this place all day eating cookies, and that's pretty <laughs> much as far as it goes. Uh, yeah, it's no, nothing really to write home so about. But it's basically the the dating half of Harvest Moon, but blown up into a full game. Yeah, yeah, that sounds terrible. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I know you did actually play another game for this show, Dave. What? Was that one the um was that the Vita or the PS3 game? Oh, I I I it was the Vita one. It was the one that was free on PS Plus, and I didn't play much of it, but I did play a bit of it just to get kind of a different flavor, like something newer than Radical Dreamers. And that was Amnesia: Colon Memories. 
have either of you guys played this since it was on PS Plus? I booted it up. I booted it up. I barely got any further than that. I have not played that game, surprisingly. I I uh doing I did a quick like Wikipedia thing on it, and evidently it's a whole series. I didn't know that. It's kind of weird that they would just decide to put it on there. It's you know, I, I'm not even gonna make a judgment on whether it's good or bad because, you know, somebody who really likes Westerns watches Dunkirk, they're gonna go, eh, it was okay. But somebody who watches war movies is like, oh, this is amazing. Oh, I just um, want a general feel for it. A general feel of what you got from the game, how it how it started off, if it did anything for you, if it didn't. Okay, so you play as as I, and I don't know if this is a big deal or not, but yeah, you're a female character. You're not your typical male guy with the short, spiky hair and laid back attitude towards everything. Okay. Um, I didn't get very. I only played it for maybe forty five minutes because, as the name might describe to you, it's about a, a somebody with amnesia, and I hate that. Like, after playing six Final Fantasy games, if I see another character with amnesia, <laughs> I'm gonna pull my hair out. <laughs> I knew that was coming up. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, I can't say that I know much about it. You you play as, uh, she was a psychology student, and she's trying to figure out, which is weird. You would think a psychology student would know about amnesia. But, uh, I, I you can definitely tell a gap between what I played with Radical Dreamers and Amnesia. There's a huge difference there. And it's not just presentation, it's also in the flow of things. Radical Dreamers was very slow. Whereas this was kind of snappy. Okay, so it expected you to already be involved in that world before you even press the start button. Or... Yeah, yeah, sort of. I mean, I mean, it's kind of action packed right out of the gate. It is quite frequent for these kind of games to do a a lot of Tarantino esque stuff where they flash backwards and forwards in timelines on a regular basis. I don't know. You know what, Mike? I would say you give it a shot. To be honest with you, okay. okay. I, I'd say you're either going to be disappointed or you're going to like it, which you know is kind of how everything works. But personally, uh, the hook wasn't there to where would I keep playing after 45 minutes? Nope. I would feel bad if I paid money for it just because I bounced off of it. Fair enough. Fair enough. So it's starting to go a bit sour in terms of the visual novel. So. Let's Not sour, think. just just <laughs> this isn't for me. That's all. Yeah. Not saying so they're bad th- at all. Do you think the what what kind of experience have you had with it which have made you think this is a genre that I could probably stick with then? Is there much in the way that's uh Uh that's... Craig, you go first. I need to think about this. Like I bought that game last night, game visual novel, the Banshee's Last Cry one, because I like a good story. And I think it doesn't matter if it's presented in a game, in a visual novel, if it's got puzzle entwined with it, or if it's just a book. I like a good story. But I think I don't... It's the least favourite medium of storytelling that I've encountered so far between games and books. I think it's in a spot where it's trying to merge them where I don't want them merged. Does that make any sense? Yeah, that's a, that's yeah. negative. But the, the positive <laughs> is the story. I know, I know you were asking for positive. The positive is the story. It's the some of them seem to be really, really well written, and the horror that like written horror I really like. Whereas I can't play Resident Evil because I'm going to absolutely crap myself no, all the way will through. Will play it. Resident Evil. By the end of the year, I will play Resident Evil. I will. But I will be absolutely crapping myself all the way through it. But I love written horror. Uh, there's something weird. I just I absolutely love it. So that's I like horror, like crime, that kind of thing. So I, I, it's, it does that for me. It fills that gap. And there seems to be a lot out there. If it's not dating, it's horror or crime. And I, I like dating. Kind of like life it itself. The dating thing. If it's not dating, kind it's like horror life. and crime. It's pretty much it. Yeah, it's dating or marriage. And cut that back. Sorry, Laura. <laughs> uh, but like Dave, if it was the dating sim side of things, I tried that again last night and that I just it, it put me right off. I didn't I didn't like that side. Uh. Strong story is the main thing. 
for me. Okay, so an give it a gaming. good think here. Love it. The one thing that makes me want to keep coming back and trying these is 999 and Corpse Party. I have not played either of them. <laughs> but I have listened to very in-depth podcasts detailing their plots and, and the way it works. And 999 intrigues me to no end. Same with Corpse Party. Which I'm guessing that's a dating sim. Just by the sound of Corpse Party. So, <laughs> I, I don't know if I'm wrongfully putting something on a pedestal that I've never experienced. Just because, like, I've heard the whole story of 999. Even, like, the twists and at the end and all that. And I really like that. So, I guess okay. I'm always looking to see what people like you say this is really good. Which is why I, I am going to buy the Zero Escape trilogy and I am going to buy Stein's Gate. Because if you say it's up on the same level as 999, that piques my interest. Interestingly, on the 999 front, I very nearly hit the button to buy that last night because it's not that expensive. It's like fiver on the iPad. And then I remember the whole uh, the iPad version. It's the novel version. It's the, the no puzzle, no interaction. And that put me off. Now I'm going to go back and buy the DS version because I know that there's... Probably I guess it all comes down to that. how much do you so enjoy that's... digital roots. What I'd suggest is you both just go straight for the, the PS4 version That's my plan. And get the two games back to back. Because, okay. yeah, 999 and Virtue's Last Reward back to back is probably one of the best gaming experiences I've ever had. Um, for Dave, if he's already spoilt the story, it's quite a hard sell to be honest because i found a lot of that game was in its in its big reveals and the thing is these 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 plot Don't points that built over for so long that when something does finally come to you it's like you finally got a little nugget of information to put together and you sort of like you know you, you'll be amazed in the in the grand scheme of things and then when you when you add on the the finale to the trilogy, which some people say is weak, but I, I actually enjoyed being a Zero Time Dilemma. Uh, Zero Time Dilemma itself is a game which doesn't strictly belong in the visual novel genre. It's it's a lot more similar to what Dave said of being an FMV game. This is, you know, cutscenes, face-to-face, 3D graphics. It's very, very different spin on things. Um, but yeah, I'd say Nonary Games Collection definitely something something to pick up and yeah it, it should in theory include the best versions of of a uh, now, now i have a question for you last reward so if you take away danganronpa the yeah. nonary games steins gate all hmm. of the big ones is there one that that you have found okay. that's as enjoyable or are these big ones held in that higher regard because they're that good and they stand above everything like, I always heard Hotel Dusk was good, but I have no idea about that. I think it's quite subjective, really. For me, Hotel Dusk is okay. a bit of a throwaway game, to be honest. I'm not that... I mean, I've never admitted that to anyone, because I know a lot of people hold it in high regard, and I don't want to yeah. shatter their illusions, but personally, I thought it was a bit of a, bit of a waste of time for me, personally, but that's, that could just be... You know, my, my taste in games. And the same with things like... Uh, what were they called? The, the kind of visual novels, but... Uh, is it another you got code? Me, dude. I can't remember. I can't remember the exact name. No, I, I can't remember. But but yeah, it wasn't it wasn't something that really gelled with me either. Um, but yeah, all very subjective. I mean, looking at the ones which you don't think fit into the visual novel category, but for me, they kind of make up where I come from originally with this genre. Snatcher, Police Noughts. They're, they're still very fine games to go back to. Um, that If you've not played any of those, I'd definitely say they're great starting points for the, the genre as a whole. You know, you get, you get Kojima at arguably one of the best points in his career. Um, one before Metal Gear, or one one before uh, Metal Gear Solid, one after Metal Gear Solid. How can you go wrong with that? 
I, I have played yeah. Snatcher. Exactly. I never exactly. played Police Knights. Always meant to. Never got around to it. But yeah, perf- perfect. One's a Blade re- Runner ripoff. The other one's a <laughs> Lethal Weapon ripoff. <laughs> How different can it get? And these these themselves seem like kind of niche things at the time, being that, you know, as as we've learned, visual novels on whole, the, the majority of games which you are, we're skipping over here are the majority of the visual novels. These are these um, the majority of games that we define it for over here are the outliers, the games which aren't the norm in the visual novel genre. And that's coming from a fan too. So in, in the thing is if I was into dating sims and things to that effect, I think I would get a lot more out of the whole whole thing. I think there are probably there are diamonds in the rough in there to seek out. Like I know a lot of people were talking constantly when I picked up the Humble Bundle about a couple of games which on the surface seem like dating games, but you dig a little deeper and you get a very very good story in there. But, you know, these are all games which were completely unknown to me before playing them, and all I can do is go off other people's opinions. There are going to be people out there who are experts at this genre, and I'd definitely say just have a look at a Reddit thread. See, see what they're suggesting. It might just be your next favourite game. Dark Souls? So, another slight... The other slight aside I had to all of this was the, the, the sheer volume of visual novels that are out there and the kind of, if you like them, you like them kind of thing. There's a lot of tools. Like, I know you get Unity and stuff if you want to go and dabble in building your own game, but there's one, Ren PY, I don't know how to pronounce that. It's I, I downloaded it and had to play about with it. It's the simplest visual novel game maker I've ever seen in my entire life. And there's thousands of these fan-made visual novels, and it seems like the kind of thing where if you get into it, there's a massive community for it, that there's a lot of buzz about it, and there is a lot of avenue to just... Uh, there's unlimited games. There's yeah, more games I mean, out there than you can probably like play. Yeah, I mean, it looks like the Toho which is kind, kind of, of homebrew nice. end of things. Like the, I, and I, see, I think that's some of the problem, yeah, right? Is, yeah. is in my mind, I... I will admit wrongly because I shouldn't be that way. I always viewed visual novels as the lowest rung on the ladder of like any lesson. It wouldn't even be a game. And I think I need to start playing some of these to change that perspective. And that way, you know, I I get to experience new stuff, but I'm not playing daddy daycare. Oh God. (laughs) I don't think I am either. I I mean, I mean, I do want to play monster loves you at some (laughs) point. I really do. Monster Love You is just unbelievably good. It's so charming and lovely to play through. And it isn't, in terms of novel, I read somewhere that some visual novels on pure word count are longer than, say, something like Lord of the Rings, whereas Monster Loves You (laughs) is a few pages worth of text, but it's just really charming in the way it's presented. You know, it's it's really nice. Um, So maybe that's a visual short story. And that's another genre. A novella, a visual but, novella. Yeah, I mean, I mean, thank you for for doing this, Mike, because I this was the kick in the ass that yeah, I sort of definitely. needed to even try them, and I'm at least curious to experience what the best of the genre has to offer. Dave, should should we make a pledge to to do the the nonary? Now wait, okay. Now I together. am confused. So the nonary games that's nine 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 virtues last reward, right? Yep. Uh huh. Okay, that's it. That's so it. Steins Gate has First nothing to do with series, those two, yeah. and Danganronpa mm-hmm. is its own thing. Steins Gate, Danganronpa and is its does... own so far trilogy of games. Okay. one of which isn't. And uh, Corpse Party has genre. nothing to do with any of them. And Corpse Party is a mixture of what it looks like RPG Maker style moveabouts with uh, interjected scenes okay. of visual novel nature. And there's Steinsgate and there's Steinsgate Zero Dawn or something like that. Steinsgate is a series so far where you want to play Steinsgate and then you want to play Steinsgate Zero Dawn. Can we play Steinsgate Horizon Zero Dawn? No, you (laughs) can't. Horizon Zero until Dawn. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, all right. No, no, no. This, this, I'm sorry if this is not the most interesting of episodes to listen to, but this has been a very interesting episode to do. Okay, so let's push you guys away for a second. There is a lot to enjoy within this genre, 
you need to open your eyes to to embrace it really this is a, a type of game that it seems so simple that they've been made but this way but a lot of these games they include some of the best music you'll ever hear some of the best visuals some of the best story twists one of the biggest problems with games as a whole is quite frequently stated being that stories aren't aren't really maturing in any way you know you've got something like the last of us you say there you go that's it that's that's your poster boy for any stories in in video games but then no let's let's stop there let's move into visual novels these are games which are pushing the story medium further than any other game out there and i think it's time that people try to embrace it and look past the simplistic nature of these games and just take it to heart that visual novels are here to stay doesn't matter if it's a PS4, you're still going to get rubbish graphics on your system, and you're going to love them. Well, I feel so, told. Yes! On that well note, <laughs> I think it's best if we start wrapping up here and say that, yeah, give them a try. And guys, what are your thoughts? Do you do you have any advice to pass on to the I'm, I'm kind of scared you're going to hit like us. Uh, well, from the limited <laughs> knowledge and experience that I have garnered over the past 36 hours, I would say why not give it a shot why not give it a shot much like everything in life why not just try it once apart from meth all right well give me a moment i'm gonna drink some drain cleaner i'll be right back um so (laughs) after that telling off of mike from mike not of mike i kind of agree you know it's something i don't have any experience with but i one thing i will say is stay away from the h games dog they're not worth it. <laughs> so, I mean, if, if you want to experience what Mike is saying of some of the best storytelling out there, then play the good ones. Prop up the good ones. Don't don't prop up the ones that gave you warm fuzzies in your pants. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I think that's it, it from us, folks. So, shake Bye. it up. Goodbye. Goodbye.